0: This outlet known as the Keeping It Real podcast and the greater Keeping It Real network centers on none other than the Lord, Master, and King, Jesus Christ. On today's episode, my conversation partner and friend, Joe Kane and I probatively answer the simple question of who is Jesus. By and large, most people have heard about him and know of him, but they don't truly know him. This is clearly evidenced in a Barna research study that said while 80% of quote-unquote Christian teenagers believe that Jesus was a real person, yet 46% of those teenagers believe that Jesus committed sin. In case you're wondering, Hebrews 4.15 says, He was in all points tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus wasn't just simply a teacher, a prophet, or some kind of prominent religious figure. Neither did He want to be ignored and neglected with the possible exception of on a given Sunday or when it's convenient for us or when we deem ourselves to be in enough trouble to reach out for Him. We will look at how He's the Creator, the Sustainer, the Savior, and has authority over everyone and everything. So Joe and I are set, and we hope you are too, in determining who Jesus really is.
1: Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast. Are we tired of fake stuff? Shouldn't we turn down a stale brand of living? It's time to open our hearts to Christ. It's time to keep it real. Here's your host, Ollie Gee.
0: All right, we're back with another episode of the Keeping It Real podcast. And I've got another special guest on with me here today. Pastor Joe Kane is uh, back with us again. Uh, This is the fourth show in a row that we've uh, done that has been a dialogue show. So it's been great to have him uh, come back on over to the studio today to riff on a subject, very important subject. It sounds very simple, but it is going to be very vital, I think, for everyone to tune into this episode of the podcast because... We're going to be zeroing in on the person of Jesus Christ. Now, we do that on every episode and really everything that's done here on the Keeping It Real Network, but we are going to specifically ask the question and answer it very uh, forthrightly and very boldly. I wouldn't expect anything else from Joe, and we're going to be talking about who is Jesus Christ. Uh, Joe, thanks for coming back with us here today. Uh, How are you doing?
2: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: All right. You, good to see you. Good to see you and all of your splendor.
2: Oh, <laughs> a little bit of shine. It's all. It is. Yeah,
0: that's right. All right. <laughs> Listen, as we talk about Jesus Christ, and you and I talk a lot. Um, it's it just and when we gather together, uh, and I love getting together with you because um, it just kind of comes right out of us. You know, we yeah. we, we could talk about a hundred different things: the weather, entertainment, or what's going on in our neighborhoods or something like that. But we love talking about uh, Jesus Christ and the transforming power of Christ in in a person's life when they accept him as savior Mm. and when they get connected to him relationally, when they have a personal relationship with him. Now, I want to ask you a couple introductory questions, and then we'll read a passage of scripture that we will uh, riff on quite a bit uh, Mm -hmm. for the remainder of this show. First off, does the God of the Bible exist that is, is he real? And how is he the one and only true God?
2: The Bible, does the God of the Bible exist? Yes.
0: Okay. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Okay. Because uh, I mean, for this is very elementary, I'm sure for most, if not everybody in our listening audience, but if our listening audience, I would encourage you to just hang in there because we're going somewhere with this. Okay. So yes, he does exist, but how do we know that he's real? Because a lot of Christians even doubt this or wonder this at times, or at least people who name the name of Christ, they wonder how he's the one and only true God. Now, listen, I'll say this real quick before you answer, and then I'll let you kind of expound on this. Mm -hmm. In Josh McDowell's book, Beyond Belief to Convictions, he polled or surveyed a group of Christian young people Mm -hmm. or people who profess the name of Christ in youth groups, Okay, these aren't just kids from the street in youth groups. Sixty-three percent of the teenagers in that survey, Allah, Buddha, and Jesus Christ are all the same God. So this is where this question is coming from. Okay. 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 So how can we know for sure that He is the one and only true God?
2: Well, there are there are two theological terms for that. If you don't mind me doing a little Christianese,
1: No, go ahead.
2: All right, the first one is natural revelation. Natural revelation is God is seen, and it was His work in His hand is seen in what has been created. The next is plenary revelation, and that God is God's hand is seen in how the Bible has come about as He led men to write. Mm. the scripture, um, and now has been compiled into a canon of scripture called the Bible. That's plenary. Um, And that plenary uh, revelation or inspiration has been given to us over thousands of years. So those are the two.
0: Okay.
2: Now, the validity of of those things, natural revelation is very easy. You can't look at even a leaf of a tree without seeing the handiwork of God in how it works, just the leaf of a tree. Right. Um, and how it processes oxygen and carbon dioxide and how it grows and produces all these other things. It's pretty remarkable. Um, and that's the simplest of things. Uh, and then when you look at the word of God, you have uh, it being written over a very long period of time. And over that period of time, there's been one consistent hmm. reality and story that has been said through all different types of authors, all saying the same thing over a very over thousands of years, and that is the story of redemption, that God will come and redeem a people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Jesus reiterates this on the road to Emmaus when he says to them, "Have you not read all that Moses and the prophets and mm-hmm. the law say about me?" And then uh, after he did that, he, the scripture says that Jesus had taught them or opened up to them all that was written about himself. So uh, in addition to that, you have uh, God through the years have done where he has divinely orchestrated the word of God being kept consistent throughout all this time. So in translation, um, he has divinely preserved his word so whether you read the king james the new king james the esv the new american standard the new uh the new living translation those those i would consider fair you know really good bibles that you could read um there's a consistent story and it doesn't take away from the full context of what's being said and the full counsel of god is being able to be taught through those scriptures other scriptures not other bibles i'll say um not as happy with
0: Right. So but when we talk about different translations yeah. and things, and that's a, probably a different subject for a different show. Correct. But that's, but
2: that's just to show you the existence of God. Only God right. can keep his word. Only God can write his word. Only God can reveal himself to mankind. And he's chosen to reveal himself through two particular ways through his creation. And through his written word,
0: right. And just to expound a little bit more on when you were saying about the expounded or to expound on the written word,
1: mm-hmm.
0: th- there are you know no inconsistencies. No. It is a perfectly consistently written work that is divinely inspired. Yes, uh, a critic or a critique that a lot of people have that want to question the Bible or question God or even the existence of God is well, the Bible was written by a bunch of people, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, written by people, but under the inspiration of God. So to use another theological principle to kind of get, and we don't want to talk over people's heads here, but there is a concept of dual authorship. And that is a divine author divinely inspires a human author what to put on the scroll as it was back in that time. And as you said, God preserved this. For even us to the current day, here at the time of this recording in 2023, for a yeah. yeah, and so we have a consistently perfect piece of writing, yeah, that is unlike any other piece of writing. Uh, for example, another religious piece of writing, not the Bible, will say that yes, people of our faith love everyone, but then we've got to get rid of the infidels. Yeah. So there is a clear inconsistency. Yeah. All right.
2: I will, I will say this one thing. Out of all of the quote unquote religious writings in the world, there's only one that's a narrative. Mm-hmm. And, and think about that concept alone. The Bible is a narrative. It's written by over 40 authors in a narrative, Well, which in, is pretty remarkable.
0: In a narrative. Yeah. And it all centers on well, Christ, yes. on Christ who was willing to die. Correct. for people who would trust him and become part of a family, which we're going to get into here right. later today.
2: The human mind yeah. could not comprehend. And
0: every other religious figure is looking for their creation to die for them.
1: Correct.
2: That's
0: right. Okay.
1: Good job. Thank
0: what you. are some common misconceptions of Jesus? And what may be the most common popular misconceptions of Jesus?
2: Um, there's a, I think there's a lot of uh, common misconceptions to Jesus. Uh, they misconceive him as just a prophet. Mm-hmm. They misconceive him as a man who uh, was just a good man. Um, they misconceive him as a, a religious figure, mm-hmm. right? The most common misconception of Jesus is that he is God's son, but he's not God, right? So when people think of Jesus, they think of him as someone who's not God, but he has Godlike qualities that they like but they don't want to answer to the authority by which he possesses because he's God. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And that kind of goes in hand in hand with like maybe Jehovah's witness doctrine, right? They, Jehovah's believe, witness doctrine. they believe a lot about Jesus, but they don't believe he's God. right? Correct.
2: Yeah. And then, um, and that affects, that affects the whole Trinitarian understanding sure. of scripture. Absolutely.
1: So.
0: I, you know, so you cite some of the traditional misconceptions of Jesus that have been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I will cite one that has been popularized a lot more here recently, mm. uh, at least in my observations and what I've been able to kind of gather from the sediments of our culture. And that is Jesus is irrelevant. Before, he was always relevant, even if he was just considered a good teacher or a good prophet. Mm-hmm he was considered as as someone to hold in high esteem. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now he's considered irrelevant Mm -hmm. either because people believe he's fake Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or people believe he's vindictive. He's not really loving. Mm. Okay. Because if I've gone through what I've gone through and Jesus could have stopped this, Mm -hmm. then he must not really be loving Mm -hmm. and he must not really love me or he must not really think much of me. Yeah. And so that has been a big part of our culture. And I think the reason why, and I could be wrong, I've been wrong many times before, but I think the reason why this has become so popularized in our culture, because us here in the West, we're spoiled rotten. Yeah, but, yeah, buddy. yeah. we are buddy. spoiled rotten. We got so much and yeah, never have buddy. we had so much as we have had now in the history of mankind. And then as soon as we go with a little bit what we perceive to be inconvenience, oh, that's God's fault. Yeah. And then Jesus holding out on me. Right. And they hold him responsible and it, it, for for having this slight inconvenience, which is really not an inconvenience at all when you think about it compared to the way how people lived in yesteryear. Yes.
1: You know?
0: Okay, so those are a couple of the intro questions. Appreciate you giving the background and theological concepts that help the listening audience. And now we're going to get into a portion of Scripture. I'll go ahead and read it, and then I'm going to ask you some very pointed questions in almost each of these verses in this passage. Okay, okay. The uh, the passage is found in Colossians chapter 1. I'm pretty sure you're pretty familiar with this. Yes. Um, this is one of the letters that Paul wrote from, from, from jail okay, mm-hmm. to the Church of Colossae. And I'm going to start reading in verse 15. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Okay? okay. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the father, that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having been made peace through the blood of his cross. So a lot of he and hims and his in, in that passage. Okay, yes. All references to, obviously, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Yes. All right. So in verse 15, we start off with Jesus is the image of the invisible God. hmm. How could Paul state this, being that this happened a long time prior to him writing this letter? Right. Yeah. How could Paul state this? What is being conveyed to us in that?
2: Oh, that's that's very simple. That Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. That He is the exact to the T, uh, to the to the to the smallest nanoparticle you can imagine. God. Right. That if you see Him, you see the Father. Uh, the interesting uh, part about that is that it's this—it's a clear understanding that Jesus is Yahweh and the Father is Yahweh and the Holy Spirit is Yahweh and they, as Yahweh, are Yahweh, one God. Right. Um, so he is. So that a, supports
0: that, or reinforces the point when they say in Genesis, "Let us make man in our right, image. In our Let image. us That's make correct. man." Right.
2: Go ahead. He is. He is. Uh, he is God in the flesh, uh, represented, given to man for the purpose of their redemption.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And that was the plan from before the foundation of the world, Mm -hmm. that God would come and put on flesh and die for his creation, because only only the thing or the one whom creation is created after can die to redeem it. In other words, an animal, I don't look like an animal. I don't look like a sheep. So it's not a significant or sufficient sacrifice for me in order to be redeemed. Only God is, and God is the only perfect and innocent one. Mm -hmm. And so the perfect innocent one must die for the, for the guilty. Mm. That's the point.
0: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Very well said. And. Just for a listening audience, too, when we're looking at or discussing this passage of scripture or what you the way you just answered it, this isn't the only passage of scripture that supports the point you just made. Correct. For example, in the Gospel of John, the very first verse, we have in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God.
1: Correct.
0: And who was the word? Jesus. Jesus. Because we read a few verses later in verse 14, I believe it is, and then the word became flesh and, and dwelt among, among us. us. That's right. So the one thing that is so amazing in this, actually tons of amazing things, but what's so amazing to me is that, you know, when Satan deceived Eve Mm -hmm. and got mankind to fall into sin,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it's almost like he did not calculate that God would then send his own son Mm -hmm. to die for the sins of man because Satan was probably like yeah you, Adam and Eve can have kids and they can be fruitful and multiply it's all right I got all of them too but he did not calculate I don't think no, that no. Jesus no. was going to come and pay for the sins of man yeah, and definitely. build a family yeah. that way I would agree yeah. yeah so Jesus is the creator right we've That's just right. established that he not only created everything but he holds it all together mm-hmm. right because in verse 17 it says and he is before all things and in him all things consist,
2: mm-hmm. okay?
0: Present tense. Right. In him, all things consist. So he didn't just create something way back there somewhere, said it was very good, and then it, that that's the end of the story, yes. you know? It, 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 happily ever after, right? Yeah. that That's not the end of the story. So he holds it all together. How have most sermons, teachings, books, podcasts devastatingly missed the mark on who Jesus is?
2: Um, I think they do it because they don't, they don't recognize the power of the creator in of who he is mm. as the creator. Like when it says that all things consist, it's this idea that all things consist and exist, mm. right? Like if you were to take, if you were to look at an atom, for example, that should not happen. That, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever scientifically, Right. There are physicists that are looking at it at based on its structure, it should repel itself and totally just fall apart. They don't understand how that stays there. And so um, the very one who holds all things together or has all things consist or exist literally holds it together so it does not just literally rip itself apart. So, okay. So well put from and a I'll, scientific point of view. And I want to
0: just personalize this real quick now for a listening audience, just yeah. to kind of drop this down or break it down a little bit.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, when we talk about holding all things together, think for example, the human body and everything that is in the human body.
2: There's no way we should there's
0: be, no way we should be
2: exploding.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and to think that it came about by some evolutionary process over billions of years. To have a human body that knows when to breathe, uh-huh. when the heart to beat, how to swallow food, yeah. how to poop it out. <laughs> I mean, all of this stuff. How in the world is anybody else responsible for that?
2: It, it, it's impossible.
0: So Christ holds it all together. And I'm just talking about the human body. Yeah, I haven't gotten into the atmosphere and other stratospheres and you know the ins and outs of everyday life yet.
2: Right. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable when you think about just the body as a machine. It's not only is, is it a machine, but it's a machine that's governed by a computer. And the computer is biological. Hmm. And not only is it governed by a computer, all computers need an electrical system, hmm. which we have as a nervous system. Well, what produces the electricity in the body? Yeah. Like you don't there's all these nuances about yeah. the body that are just beyond right. everyday uh, everyday human, human thought. So this, this will help some things to think about.
0: Yeah. And this will help our listening audience just to, to kind of understand more of where we're coming from. I mean, you know, just so our listening audience knows, I mean, Pastor Joe's a seminary grad, I'm a seminary grad. So we've got some education that we like kind of flying around sometimes, but really in all seriousness, this passage of scripture is for everyone. And we want to be able to exhort, use this as a form of exhortation, and, and and to relay what the word of God says, also in very simple terms, as Joe mentioned right from the jump in this episode of the podcast. Uh, and when we talk about who is Jesus, it's actually very simple. And unfortunately, the reason why it has become this complex difficult concept there he has become so difficult to understand and comprehend is because of really hearts that have become desperately wicked yeah so let's go to the next question mm-hmm. because now we we move from right him being the creator to him being the sustainer and now we get to the real beautiful part of jesus mm-hmm. right in verse 18 to reread this again And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So Jesus is the head of the body, Mm -hmm. the church. So we've gone from him being the creator to now him being the sustainer. Now he's the head. Yes. He has been after building a family. Mm -hmm. You've alluded to that earlier. Right. Descriptions of this in the scriptures are the Bride of Christ, Brothers and Sisters in Christ, Children of God. Mm-hmm. Those are all biblical terminology, language that's used. Titles, yeah. Yeah. What makes it so difficult for so many people to
2: understand this? <laughs> well, I think it's simplified by saying that uh, they don't want to be told what to do. Mm. I mean, when, you, when you're saying that you're the head of the body, the body... The body is if the body wants to walk left and the head wants to walk right, it's gonna it's gonna look kind of weird <laughs> seeing the head going one way and the body going another. Yeah. So it, it requires an authority. The head is the authority. The head is the one in control. The head tells the body what to do. So you talked about you know when you look at the body, the heartbeat, and all that kind of stuff. The only reason why the heart beats is because the the head, the one that's telling it the right. beat does does it right? right. And what's interesting is that it does it whether we realize it or not Mm -hmm. that's the same with with the church it's the same Mm -hmm. the church exists and survives and lives and it's and the heart of the church beats whether the church realizes it or not Mm -hmm. okay and um christ is the head the one in authority the one that's in control the preeminent of the body Mm -hmm. right And then when you look at the other part of that verse, which is, you know, as you have mentioned, let me, the firstborn among the dead, that word firstborn is not literally, he was physically born. Right. The word firstborn is this idea of he has authority because he is the first to rise. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you look at a family, the firstborn in a family, typically in a Jewish family, is the one who gets the blessing. They get all, they get the majority of the inheritance. They're the ones that are now in charge of the family. Well, that's what this means. Mm -hmm. So when we're reading this verse, it's really dealing with the reality of the authority of Christ. Okay, He is the boss. He's the preeminent. So then
0: I have another question. I didn't have this mapped out here, Mm -hmm. but I'm prompted to ask this. And I'm going to ask you this as not only as a brother in Christ, but you're also a pastor. So you deal with other believers regularly on a daily basis, virtually. Um, and I'm sure you've had your fair share of people in your experience in pastoral ministry and otherwise, as I have had a lot of people, the children of God, members of the body of Christ, are rebellious. Very. And especially here in
2: America, right. the American church is right. So
0: very is rebellious. this why it makes it so difficult for so many people to understand this within church circles because of just their sheer own rebellion? They can't get grasp the familial concept, right? Because right. they're in constant rebellion.
1: Correct.
2: Well, think of it this way: when you live in a family, you ever notice the families that that are really good, the fam- families that are really thriving and really growing, and is those families where the families the hus- that are close? Yeah, the, the husband and wife are partners.
0: Yeah,
2: right. The wife understands her role. The husband understands his role. He leads. He leads his family. He's the head of his family by becoming a slave to his family she then is a support to the family and to her husband by becoming a partner with him in the service of the family and so it's no longer it's not an issue of who who dominates and who's in charge because God is mm-hmm. it's the willingness to work together which a a church has to operate the same way yeah that the the, the dangers of today's churches and I'm, i know i'm going to offend many churchgoers in in this statement and uh i'm not sorry i will <laughs> tell you that there should never be a senior pastor led church only Mm. it is a family of elders the elders together uh, oversee the care and the spiritual care of the family of god right it christ is the head shepherd he's the chief shepherd we are under shepherds and that's the problem because what happens is if I'm the head of the church, if I was the head of the church, and I'm going to build the church on what, how I think the church needs to be built, I'm going to build the church in my own image. Mm. But if I'm not willing to be the one in charge, in the sense that Christ is the one in charge, then Christ builds His church in His own image, right? And then we, as the leaders, care as an under shepherd, right, given the responsibility to walk and care. And then you, what you see is a picture of Christ in in full display as the head and the body that's called the church
0: okay so we've dissected quite a bit yeah of the uh modern day idiosyncrasies of what's going on in in church or in christian circles yes uh, as we do a lot on this podcast and um it's a tough concept to grasp because again of the rebellious nature Mm -hmm. of a lot of god's children or at least professing children and to even take that further into just the greater world, um, a lot of people, I think, struggle with the concept of family in general because of what the family's become.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned some roles of mom and dad or husband and wife, which are biblical. You know, the, the husband is to come under the woman. You know, Families Were Graces and plays is a great book that draws that out mm-hmm. and how Christ uh, showed himself to be the head of the church by willing to die for her. Right. So that's a principle of that book and certainly a principle of the scriptures. But I think our greater world really has trouble even grasping family right now because it's completely destroyed. It's it's a it's a mess. It's, it is yeah. a royal mess. Yes. Fathers, kids don't know their dads mm. a lot of cases or if they do, I mean it, it, there's even in situations where husband and wife have actually stayed together, Mm -hmm. they see it okay for their kids, teenage kids or young adult kids to move in with somebody not married. Mm -hmm. And of course we can get further and further and down the road with the the whole LGBTQ, however many letter community that we're talking about. I mean, we've got a royal mess Mm -hmm. when it comes to family and what it really should look like.
2: That's so, because there's a lack of a, there's a lack of respect for the for, authority. For authority. Right. And, and and it goes not only from the authority of the of the husband in the house, but then it goes beyond that to the authority of the church. And then from the authority of the church to the authority of Christ. Very good.
0: Well it comes back to the authority of Christ, which is why we're doing a show. Correct. Okay. Who is Jesus Christ? And I would, you know, why do a show on this? It is because I think by and large, most people have no idea who he he is. They have no concept. They've heard about him. Even people in Christian circles, they hear, I've made this statement more than once on this podcast. People who go to church, maybe even every Sunday, they hear references made Mm -hmm. about Jesus Christ. They hear him talked about, but they don't really know much about him. Mm -hmm. And in order to know a lot about him, you've got to hang out with him. You've got to be in his presence. And to think to just go to a place for an hour or two on a Sunday morning is sufficient. Jesus experience is a foreign concept when we look at the scriptures.
2: Well, everything about Jesus is um, in the mind of young people today, specifically, and, and definitely among those who are very progressive is he is patriarchal. Well, that's because he is patriarchal. He is the preeminent one, which implies he is the king, Mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. Right. So you can scream and yell all you want right now, but the day will come when you will bow the knee and confess with your mouth that that Jesus is Lord because he is king of the universe.
0: Right. Right. Period. Yep. Jesus is, yes, he's the king. He's also the redeemer. You um, referenced that earlier. Okay. In verses 19 and 20, again, it pleased the father that all the fullness should dwell in him. Yeah. Okay. And then Paul goes on and he talks about reconciliation and having made peace through the blood of his cross. A lot of talks about peace today and all of these. Well, what kind of peace treaty? What kind of deal can we strike up? You know? And I would suggest, man, hard to come by outside of Jesus Christ. It's just not going to happen. Okay, so Jesus is the Redeemer. How is it that people think they can find, or more importantly, experience redemption
2: outside of Jesus Christ? Oh, there is no redemption outside of Jesus
0: right. Christ. Okay, so but how is it? I mean, what's your, you you're, you hang out with the folks, right? <laughs>
2: what, redemption what's... requires death. Right. Death requires a blood sacrifice. Jesus. The Scripture makes it very clear. That without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or sure. forgiveness of sin. Absolutely. And that's why it says it's by the blood of his cross. There, that's what I love about what Paul says here. He says, His. his there story. is no other way. Right. Sorry. Yeah. All roads don't lead to Jesus, Oprah. Right. Yeah. That's what the that's what, you know, that's what uh, that's what a lot of these um uh word of faith preachers preach. I'm telling you right now, we are in a we are in a time period where I believe you're going to see what a lot of people are calling a new reformation, mm-hmm. right? One of the greatest things, one of the greatest sayings I think that most people forget about is Martin Luther. Peace, if possible, truth at all costs to all the brothers out there that are leading churches to all the elders that are shepherding churches. Are you willing to die on the truth? Because that's what's at stake here. You see, if you diminish the truth, You diminish the authority of the one who quote unquote gives it.
0: Very valid and appreciate that input. Yeah. I will also suggest that when Paul is talking about uh death, when you alluded to respecting authority and dying, I look at it as a dying to oneself.
2: I would agree with that.
0: And that is a problem. Um after this episode airs, we're going to be entering into a series that I'm going to do here on the KIR podcast. And the series is entitled Killer Gods and Idols. Mm. And the first part, the foundational message of that five-part series, the first one is going to be the most important one. And that is the idol in the mirror. Mm. People, especially here in the West, people love worshiping Primarily what they see in the mirror, because what they see is a lot more than what they should see. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about just physical appearance, like they got a six pack or they appreciate what they see physically. I'm talking about they think they're not that bad because what I get all the time is I haven't killed anybody. right? I'm not that bad. I haven't killed anybody since when does not taking the person, uh, someone else's life. Is that the standard for gaining favor with God? It's not the standard. Right. No. So we have a very self-motivated culture. Mm-hmm. And we have a culture that is infatuated with developing their own ideals on eternity or what it takes to get there, what it takes to qualify for that, what it takes to gain favor with the one who's in charge of that. That is the mindset. And I'm telling you from my conversations with the folks that I have enough or the perceptions that I get, mm-hmm. it's in the it's just even in the air. It's in the air I, because I hear what people say and what they talk about. And it's not to say that the humanitarian efforts that they're involved in aren't any good or the community-oriented events that they're involved in aren't any good. I'm not saying that. But God did not come to make call us to make the world a better place. Mm-mm. He called us to come to know him and represent him and to be a personification of his love. Mm-hmm. And that is why I think... The greater world, you hammered a lot on the church, which I definitely appreciate, but the greater world struggles with this aspect of family, because family has been so, it's been made a royal mess, and then they have developed their own ideals mm-hmm. of what being part of an eternal family looks like, if that is even exists, if that is attainable. I don't even think a lot of people even think it exists, but they think that if it does, I'm in.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm in because I'm a pretty good person. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. There, there's been a teaching out there um, that people have used from the scripture. There, there's a teaching out there that uh, people have used from the scripture where it talks about that God has put in them the, a desire for him. Right. That's not biblical. Right. So in, in reality, the reason why there's a huge discrepancy among those who aren't part of the church, um, especially here in America, you know, when you ask the vast majority of people, you know, are you a Christian? You'll say, yeah. And you ask them, well, how do you know that? They'll say, well, because um, because my parents. Right. They don't they don't have no concept of who Jesus is. Yeah. And so the reason why the family has lost its position in society is because Christ is not in not in the position of society of where he should be. I mean, he is the ultimate authority and of all things. He is the God of all creation. Mm. And um, when you diminish him, you then diminish his story, the gospel, which then diminishes the value of the truth of that. And now it's no longer important because now I become my own God. Right. Now I need to be self-determined, right? I am, I have, I'm in control of my own destiny. That's the problem with this understanding of quote unquote free will, Mm. You're not in control of your own destiny. You don't get to choose when you die. That's not in your control. From the time you were born to the time that you take your last breath, those days are ordained for you. That's I'm sorry, that's not control. You might be able to pick whatever vocation you want. You might be able to pick whatever girl you want or whatever husband you want. But in reality, life has been preordained for you. So deal with it. Because you're going to answer to the one who has created you. And that day is coming very soon. So we've seen Jesus as the creator. Mm -hmm. We've seen him as the sustainer.
0: And we've seen him as the authoritative one. Correct. And that is he is the head of the church. Correct. Okay, so Jesus is love. Mm -hmm. Okay, he desires nothing more than for people to come to know him. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Mm-hmm. In fact, when someone does come and accept him as Savior by seeking to be saved from all their sins, asking for his forgiveness, believing that that's what he died on the cross for, right? Because there's no other way to get peace other than through the blood of his cross, as we've looked at in this scripture in Colossians. I have one final question, and we'll make this show finished today. Mm-hmm what happens when christ is not beheld in all of his glory his splendor his incredible love his marvelous grace when he's not beheld in those ways what happens what what what's what's the sad ending to that story
2: all right well let me build upon that okay um jesus did not come into the world to condemn it But after he was resurrected, the scripture says that all authority was given unto him Mm -hmm. and that he went back to his throne. Okay, so, yes, God, Jesus is all grace. Yes, Jesus is all loving. He is all merciful. He is all those things. But guess what? He resurrected and now he's going to condemn the world. The world is already judged by the king. Mm -hmm. Then when it's all said and done, you're going to deal with He is all just. He is all holy. He is all righteous. You're going to have to deal with all that Jesus is and all the authority that he holds together. Here's the problem. The reason why Jesus is not looked at in the way that you just described is because we have sat in front of the TV and watched T.D. Jakes and Stephen Furtick and all of these other guys. Feed you a sissified Jesus. They gave you a sissified Jesus, a wimpy Jesus. Vodibacum did an amazing message in his message. He said that he that his God is a God of war, but he's also a God of love, right? The, the The Jesus that Americans want is a tolerant, soft, sissified God that they can control and manipulate. But that's not the way it's going to be. You may think you have control now. But the days are numbered, and you better fear, because the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. And God is holy, and God has called His people to be holy. He says, "Be holy, for I am holy." He also tells us to put our mind on things above, not on things of the earth. That's a mindset of righteousness and kingdom. Right. Right. And so, the Jesus that they want is not to glorify Jesus, because if they really wanted to glorify Jesus. And they were really in step with him. They would understand him being the king and just and holy. And they would experience his grace and his glory and his majesty and mercy in ways they couldn't even imagine.
0: So that's a great way to make the show a wrap today. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's a difference again between two kingdoms. You mentioned uh, God's kingdom. And unfortunately, when people reject or ignore or are indifferent to his splendor, his grace, and his love. It is because they ultimately want to live unto this world, this worldly kingdom, which has a big neon sign across it that says temporary. And so I appreciate you being on, Joe. Thank you. Um, We'll let you know when you're uh, due up again. It'll be a little bit. I'm going to give all of you conversation partners here a little bit of a break. But uh, thanks for being on, keeping it real today, and I encourage everybody to check out uh, a lot more information, a lot more coming at www.kirradio.com. Again, that's kirradio.com. There is a lot of invigorating and inspiring and encouraging content to be found there.